October 1939. Actor and comedian Paul Hogan is born in Lightning Ridge, New South Wales, Australia. The new Marx Brothers movie At the Circus is released in theaters. And Superman stands by while a group of young men perish trying to save a steamship, only to then save the steamship himself after the fact. That really happened in the next issue of Action Comics. Super friends, and welcome back to a very special episode of Reaction Comics, where today I'm talking about Action Comics number 17 from October 1939. Now, um, usually I get these episodes out on um, Monday morning, but I was a little delayed, so I wasn't able to do the episode last night, so here I am tonight recording it uh, because... I don't want to get any more uh, any more angry listener messages. I got a very very angry, uh, upset text message from one of a, one of my listeners, um, who I also know as my brother. Uh, here I am, Sean. Only a day late, but I'm back. I'm back. So um, please please love me again. That's that's for all of you, not just for him. So. <laughs> As you can tell, I'm doing this late, so get cra- get ready for me to be a little, uh, a little silly. But that's what this is all about, right? Having fun, reading comic books, and getting silly. And here we are, from October 1939. Let's talk about Action Comics number 17. The cover of this magazine, uh, this issue, has nothing to do at all with the story we're about to read, but it does feature Superman. And he seems to be lifting a tank right above his head. Like, and I don't know if this is supposed to be the enemy soldier or the arm, the, you know, U.S. soldier. But there are soldiers just shooting at him with machine guns. Um, they seem frightened because the machine guns are not uh, killing him as they hope they would. So I'm not, and this is a weird tank. So maybe it is an American. It's like, it doesn't look, it's like, it's got the regular, you know, those, those treads that a tank would have, but it doesn't have the big giant top. So I don't know if it's because it's the 30s. I don't know if it's because it's not American or maybe I'm just, uh, I don't know what I'm talking Maybe it's just because the artist doesn't know how to draw a tank. Um, but anyway, uh, this Superman is on the cover, even though, as we all know, Superman is not the only story in these action comics. They're generally about 60 pages long. And the Superman story that we usually read is only about 14 of those pages, including this one right here. Uh, So we turn the page and open to uh, the first panel shows Superman kind of reaching, leaping to the top of a building. Again, nothing to do with the rest of the story. Just give us our little panel uh, that introduces Superman every time by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster leaping over skyscrapers, running faster than an express train, springing great distances and heights, lifting and smashing tremendous weights, 
possessing an impenetrable skin, these are the amazing attributes which Superman, champion of the helpless and oppressed, avails himself of as he battles the forces of evil and injustice. I almost, almost read that perfectly. So that's basically just saying, hey, Superman's the best, don't forget. Um, and let's get right into this story. So the first panel we see, there's a, there's a fella, and he looks panicked. He's aboard a ship, a steamship. He's fr- uh, he is frantically wiring an SOS, and I, I think what's behind him is supposed to be smoke, even though it almost looks like um, moss. They don't, this is, you know, maybe the fire and smoke. They haven't quite mastered the, the drawing or the coloring of that. And again, the coloring, you know, this could have been recolored. It probably was recolored for the digital um, creation of this. But uh, th- that green smoke behind him, I assume, is what um, what this guy is worried about. He's a radio signaling uh, SOS. And he's like, why doesn't someone answer if we don't get help right away? And it shows this this ship, the Clarion. It's, the steam sh- it's a steamship. And it shows uh, the next panel... There's a big storm at sea, and there's it's crippled. It's burning. It's in the middle of the ocean, and uh, it is in trouble. Now, back on land, it seems like over at the Daily Star, they picked up on this and says, The Clarion burning offshore, hundreds of lives imperiled. The editor looks at Clark and's like, wow, what a story. You know, I mean, never mind the fact that people could die, but what a story. Get over there once and cover it. And Clark's like, let me at it. So he heads over there. Now, my thinking is, changes into Superman, don't even worry about what's going on, just get right to that ship and save those people. But no, he shows up uh, at the shore as Clark, and he says when, when Clark reaches the scene of the tragedy, he finds the Coast Guard about to swing into action. And he's talking to one of the Coast Guard guys, and he looks like the Gorton's fisherman. He says, you mean they're trying to reach the steamer in that raging sea? Or maybe this guy is just a local fisherman. It's like... They'll try, but they'll never make it. I don't know why he has that accent. Uh, and the next panel we see, we see off in the distance, the clarion is, is smoking, it's on fire, and then we see the Coast Guard rowing out to them in a boat that I can only describe as a Viking vessel with long oars. It seems like the Coast Guard, like this is 1939, but it looks like it's straight out of the 1600s. Uh, now, mind you, Clark Kent's sitting... On the shore, you know, not doing anything. And uh, it says, you know, this the, the Coast Guard is making a pathetic, a pathetic attempt to find its way through the mountainous waves to the Clarion. And then that boat collapses. Oh, my God, the first time I read this, I didn't realize you actually see bodies in the water with their hands raised, like begging, gasping for life, begging for help. It says the men row lustily. But in a matter of minutes, the lifeboat is overturned, swamped. And a dozen brave men go to a gallant, watery death. Yes, folks, 12 of our bravest, 12 members of the Coast Guard, dead. While Superman stands there, dressed as Clark Kent, looking out there like, oh, what's going on? Then the next panel, Clark slips away from the others, removes his outer garments, revealing himself clad in the fantastic Superman costume. It's time for Superman to take a stand, he says, before more lives are uselessly sacrificed. Dude, you stood there 
and just let them go out there. Why don't you just walk on water and run out there and fly out there? Anything that would distract them for a moment and realize maybe we shouldn't go out there. Now they're dead. They have to go to their families. Many of them, I'm sure, are fathers. Now those children are going to ra- you know, grow up without a dad. Uh, but you waited and you're like, ooh, ooh, they're dead. I better go do something. And so he jumps right into the water and just starts swimming out there, you know, and he's, he's swimming and some of the fishermen are like, oh my God, look out there. He's a man. This is crazy. What's he doing? He's swimming against the storm and he's making headway. Will he make it? Of course he makes it. The next panel, boom, he grabs onto the ship. You know, he probably had to swim by a couple corpses on the way there, but he made it. No problem. No worries about the Coast Guard dead. No thought of them. No talk of them. They're over. They're dead. They're out of the picture. He goes, he, so he grabs onto the side of the ship. Next we see on the ship, we see there's, there's passengers, okay? Now, later on, you're going to hear something about this and you think, why are there passengers? Why are they doing this? Yeah, I think there's a lot of lawsuits that could be said here. So on the board of the, of the, Clar- of the Clarion, uh, the passengers are just freaking out. They said it's disorganized pandemonium. One of them's yelling, we'll burn, we'll burn. And someone else is like, why doesn't help come? And a woman's like, my baby, Nanette, where are you? Nanette was a big name, like a really, because I think of No, No, Nanette was the play that the Red Sox owner wanted to finance. So he traded Babe Ruth to the Yankees. Was that in 1918? Was that when that was? Or 1919? I don't know. But uh, here we are 20 years later, and you know, parents are still name, naming their children Nanette. I actually, I, I worked with a Nanette for a little while. Uh, maybe a decade ago, maybe longer. Um, so this is the third Nanette name I've heard. So anyway, um, Clark, Clark I'm, I'm sorry, he's Superman now. Clark is the, the, uh, the, the guy on shore who would just let people die. Superman climbs onto the ship just to kind of take in the situation. He's like, I've got to stop them before they kill themselves. He goes over to the people who are panicking. They're like, where did you come from? It's a ghost. And he says, stop it, you fools. Collect your senses. Stand still and listen to me. And this one guy's like, I'm jumping overboard. We're never going to make it. And No, I'm sorry. He says, out of my way. I'm jumping overboard. I'm going to swim for shore. And Superman says, you'll never make it. Grabs the guy, lifts him over his head. It says, a crowd of maddening, maddened passengers swoop forward. Meeting them head on, Superman flings them back through the air. So he takes this guy up over, the, over his head and throws him at the other passengers. And he's just throwing passengers away. He grabs one of, these, one, of the, um, one of the crew members who looks frightened. And he says, where's the captain? He's in his cabin. He's injured. He says, since the, cab, the captain can't take care of this situation, I'm taking over from here. Get it? I'm taking charge. And my first order is for every able-bodied man to volunteer to battle those flames. And all of a sudden, the guys are like, we're here with you. Like, that kind of shook them into, like, actually helping. And Superman's like, fine. Now grab anything you can lay your hands on and beat out those flames. Under Superman's leadership, a courageous attempt is made to put out the flames, but it's just, it's not enough. It's no use. So he looks at one of the crew and says, bring me the decos. They're like, he says, I'm going to put out those flames. If this doesn't work, nothing will. And they're like, no, you'll, you'll burn alive. Don't go in there. He says, let go. I know what I'm doing. He shoves by this guy. This guy thinks you know, Superman's going to go on and basically killing himself. And now the flames, I mean, they look like smoke. It looks like orange smoke, but it's supposed to be flames, I guess. He jumps down 
you know, into the within the flames, you know, oh, now we see some actual flames. So the smoke is orange and the flames look more like flames. And it says, battling smoke and flames, Superman directs a heavy stream of yellow. Oops, I read that wrong. <laughs> that would be a very weird stream. Uh, Superman directs a heavy stream of water at the roaring fire. Yellow tendrils leap up at his figure. Okay, I did see yellow on there. I'm not a complete creep. Um, he keeps, oh, he keeps shooting it with a hose. So basically we're, we've seen like three or four panels of Superman using a hose on fire. This is, this is exciting stuff. Oh, but he finally gets the fire and he goes, well, that's over. A cheer leaves the lips of startled onlookers as Superman emerges victorious from the hold. He's alive. And then a, a crew member runs up and Superman says, what's wrong now? The ship struck some rock and sprung a leak. We'll sink. Instantly, Superman is off with the speed of the wind, and he dives directly into the water. And what do the people on board think? They're like, huh, he's abandoned us. And the guy goes, no, he's gone mad and committed suicide. Nope. Instead, Superman just swims to the back of the boat and just starts pushing the boat. Now we're getting something super. He's like, I'm going to push this damn boat back to shore. They're like, we're moving, we're moving, but but the motors are not working. Oh my goodness, it's him. He's shoving the clarion. And the, he's pushing it along, pushing it along, but they're still sinking because of the hole, the hole in the side of the boat. One guy's like, will we make it in time? And a woman says, it's in fate's hands and his. As the vessel nears the beach, it catches on several rocks, remains suspended. Superman looks up and says, yeah, it's pretty close to land now. Coast Guard should be able to take care of it. And so I may as well make my exit. So the boat is on these rocks. It'll probably fi be fine. And Superman just leaves. They were able to shoot a line from the beach to the, the Claren. It looks like they used a cannon to shoot a line all the way out to the ship. And then they had everyone zip line the passengers to safety. You think... Superman, like, that seems still pretty dangerous. Literally what I'm looking at right now is a, a zip line, and it looks like, honestly, a giant pair of pants that like you'd see in a before photo of a weight loss thing. And it looks like there's three, four, maybe three or four people inside these giant pair of pants being zip lined across these rocks to the shore while Superman, meanwhile, is just changing back into his clothes. He's like, oh, time for me to rejoin the others. And the next morning, Clark is back at his newspaper, and he says, you know, about that story I wrote up last night, I'd like to visit the Clarion's wreck this morning. There may be a possibility of more news. And the editor's like, okay, go to it. So Clark heads back to the beach where the ship is on its side now, and he sees that there are some investigators that are about to go aboard it. And he says, hey, I'm from the Daily Star. May I accompany you aboard? And the guy's like, yeah, if you want. So they go on the boat, and they start looking around, and Clark says, it was claimed the fire spread from one of the holds. I wonder how Clark knew that. And then the investigator says, then that'll be our first stop. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't know anything. He just was like, oh, okay, reporter man, that's where we want to stop. That's where we go. And they go, and what do they see? They see a bunch of, like, oil cans and gas cans. Inflammables is what it's called. And they're like, oh, my goodness, there's quantities of inflammables and broken gasoline cans. You're right. It looks like sabotage. This vessel was deliberately set afire. And Clark's like, okay, uh, if you excuse me, I'm in a hurry. He 
goes over to Deering Lines, the main office, which is the owner of the Clarion. And he, he apparently wants to see the manager. And there's a guy there that says, I tell you, no one can see the manager. He's not here. And Clark says, we'll see about that. This isn't Superman doing this. This is Clark Kent. He lifts the man over his head and walks, carries him to the general manager's office. The guy's like, stop it, put me down. And he says, first, we'll see if you're lying. I, apparently, he put the guy down because we never see this guy again. The next panel, he's inside the general manager's office. Another you know, big fat fellow in a green suit. They like drawing um, rich people that way. I guess green for greed and money. Um, Clark says, I just learned that the Clarion was a victim of sabotage. Have you a statement to offer my newspaper? And this guy says, the Clarion? Sabotaged? Please, uh, promise me you won't print that. Clark says, well, you want to keep it out of the papers? Why? I'll tell you, but only on the condition that you keep it mum until I give you the word to print it. Clark says, okay, it's a deal. The Clarion is the fourth ship of our line to have been deliberately destroyed. Thus far, we've been managing to keep it quiet. Whew, what a yarn, but why the silence? And the guy says, an unknown gang has contacted us, demanding five million dollars, or they will continue their evil work. Five million dollars? At least they aren't pikers, so he's making a laugh. Ha 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 ha. Now think about this for a second, folks. Let's, let's take a moment to just pause and realize what this guy just said. This is the fourth ship to be deliberately sabotaged. They put out three ships that have been sabotaged and then said, let's put out a fourth one filled with people that could have been killed. Now, they kept the other ones quiet. Were all those people killed? And let's not forget, 12 members of the Coast Guard are dead because of this ship, this rescue mission that they were on, dead. If the boat wasn't sabotaged, these men would still be alive. Twelve lives dead, twelve families ruined. And they're like, oh, we didn't want to say anything because we're being blackmailed. And uh, right away, you know, and Clark's first thought is $5 million. Well, hey, at least they aren't pikers. I mean, shame on you, Clark Kent. Shame on you. That moment, the telephone rings, and the guy, the guy says, ooh, I've been expecting the gang to contact me. This may be them. As luck would have it, Clark listens in on the phone conversation. And the other line of the phone says, you know who this is? Once again, we've demonstrated to you how uncomfortable we can make things if you don't pay the price we demand. Clark, again, is saying this out loud to him. He's covered the phone so he could say this out loud. But why would he say this? I mean, the other guy should be like, shut the hell up. I'm trying to listen. But Clark says, that voice, it sounds familiar. And yet, I can't remember just who it is. You hear the guy on the phone talking to the general manager again. He says, we will contact you again later. Meanwhile, tell the reporter who is now in your office absolutely nothing. <gasps> this person knows that Clark's in the office? So Clark, after the phone call hangs up, Clark goes, operator, operator, important police business. Trace that call that just reached this number. Number one, Clark's not a policeman. Number two, can you trace a call like that after it was called? And, like... On TV, they're always like, keep them on the line, keep them on the line. Now, this is the 30s. Maybe phone calls all have to be patched through so it's easy to trace. 
But this woman's like, sorry, sir. According to our records, uh, there was no phone call made to your office in the last few minutes. What? So, of course, my thought is this is an inside job. This means someone made the call. Either either it's someone um, blackmailing the person or it, the blackmail is fake. It's not even real. I mean, I'm wrong on both accounts, but that was my first thought. This guy's like, you see how it is? Our private detectives are helpless, can get no clue at all to who the vandals are. And Clark says, well, what do you plan to do about it? What can we do with pay? If we don't come across, our business will be r- entirely wrecked. Not to mention the dead people. Now, if you leave me alone, please. So the guy's going to pay his $5 million. Now, Clark's sitting outside of the office, and this is where he does... This is like, you know, the old-time Batman, where, like, hmm. And he thinks of an idea. He thinks of something. He's like, I wonder if it's this. And it's absolutely right. Like, you know, where he just kind of guesses. So he says, hmm, only one person could have accomplished the miraculous scientific feat of telephoning without using the telephone company's lines. Only one person could be smart enough to do that. And now I recall his voice. Ultra, the mad scientist who seeks domination of the Earth. The ultra-humanite. Even though now they're just calling him Ultra. Interesting. So while Clark says this out loud, two, two um, ruffians walk up and they say, Keep walking, buddy, and don't get a peep out of you. So they, they grab Clark, they throw him in the car, and Clark pretends to, like, you know, be, t- be get beat up so that he can get as much information as he can. They're like, take that. They're beating him up, and Clark's like, ouch, stop it. And he's, the guy says, that's a small taste of what you'll get if you don't keep clear of the Deering line. Get me? Clark's like, I, I, I got to, I, I get, let me go, let me go. I swear I'll forget I ever saw you. And so they throw Clark out of the car, and he gets up and changes immediately into Superman's like, all right, Black Bart, now you get yours. He says, now to give those rats a taste of their own violence. And he chases after the car. They're like, oh, my God, he's coming. Speed up. He runs, picks up the car, jumps to the top of a, of a skyscraper. These guys are freaking out. He smashes the car down on the skyscraper, on the roof of the skyscraper, and says, that ought to throw him off a little while, and then just jumps off, leaves him. We don't see these guys again. He just brings them up to the top of the skyscraper, smashes them down, and leaves them there. In the next panel, we see, ooh, we see the ultra-humanite. These gangsters, I guess they actually got off the roof and got back to their chief. Says, what happened? Speak up, fools. He, it was like a nightmare. An incredibly strong guy scared us silly with his super strength. Superman. So he's mixing in. That means I've got to act and fast. Like, what does this guy think? He keeps doing criminal business in the city of Metropolis. He doesn't think Superman's going to show up. I mean, come on now. The next panel, it says Ultra. Again, they don't call him Ultra Humanite. They just call him Ultra. Ultra, mad scientist genius, adjusts the miraculous invention with which he can cut into any phone line without physical contact. So he's a phone hacker, and this is like amazing, amazing. He says, if I'm going to continue to my costly subversive activities, I've got to get capital. Hume, huge sums of it at once. So he's blackmailing and sabotaging companies to get money to, to fuel his, his other interests, his costly subversive activities, as he calls it. So he calls back the general manager. And he's like, you again. 
It's like, the time has come for you to deliver $5 million. Send a messenger to 211 Court Avenue at once, or there won't be a single steamer intact on your line this time tomorrow. Will you come, or... He's like, yes, we'll do as you say. This sabotage has got to stop. Did I say sabotage? I don't say sabotage. I say sabotage. Okay. Now, while this is happening, Superman is hanging outside this guy's building. He was, he's probably been there for hours waiting for the phone to ring. And, uh, oh, no, he says, I, just, I guess I've just come, I've come just in time. Great timing, Superman. So he hears that conversation. So now he's we back inside. The um, general manager is talking to some, um, the messenger. He says, take this suitcase to 211 Court Avenue and guard it well, for it contains the protection money. It has protection in quotes. That's why I said that. The guy says, don't worry. I'll see to it that it reaches the right party. Leaping high among the clouds, Superman keeps the messenger car in sight. We don't see Superman. We just see a car. The car's driving off. So we actually see the car arrive, and then we see a guy entering the building, and Superman is up in the Mar- the George McFly uh, tree branch. He's looking down. He says, he's entering the building. Now it's going to be my move. So this guy enters the building. Next thing we know... The ultra-humanite is not going to let him leave. He's like, wait, you've got your money. Why won't you let me go? The ultra-humanite is pretty smart. He says, so you can talk? No, I'm not that stupid. Eliminate him. And then at that moment, Superman barges through, not the door, because Superman doesn't use the door. He goes right through the wall. Don't any of you move or I'll give you a taste of some real action. The bad guys are like, it's him, the man of steel. Now, ultra-humanite doesn't seem too worried. He says... Arrived precisely at the moment I expected you. For a man possessing super strength, you show an amazing lack of intuition. I've been expecting you, Superman. I know, it's what he's, you just said that. I've been expecting you, Superman, and I am prepared. Is he, though? And Superman says, then try and stop me from appropriating that money. That's what he's going to I guess that means taking the money back. The ultra-humanite says, another step and I'll discharge this acid gun at you. He's holding what looks almost like an old-fashioned space gun. He says, I fancy this powerful solvent should have an effect even upon your super tough skin. Now, we never see the acid gun shoot because Superman uh, runs right into this invisible barrier before he can get to the ultra-humanite. And the Ultra is so excited. He's like, what you have just encountered is a panel of transparent, unbreakable metal. A creation of my own. <laughs> what now, Superman? So what did he make? Plexiglass? I mean, what, what the hell is transparent metal? Now Superman smashes through. Oh, so I guess it wasn't, you know, it says it's you know unbreakable. But the next panel, he breaks right through it. He, he unbreaks the unbreakable. Or he breaks the unbreakable? Yeah, that sounds more right. Says bracing himself for the coming shock, Superman hurdles himself against the invisible barrier, and this time he breaks it. Now we see the Ultra Humanite with a uh, acid gun, but in, Superman goes right through him, passes right through him. He says, "What? What? Oh my goodness! That wasn't the Ultra Humanite at all. It was just a projected image of him." The next panel, uh, we see the messenger now with a gun. Wait, is the messenger a cop? It says, whipping out a weapon, the messenger covers the huddled gangsters. 
he says, keep your hands raised, all of you. You're under arrest. This is what he says to the two guys. This is just a messenger. I mean, they he has the gun. So I guess, you know, I would raise my hands. But Clark, uh, I'm sorry, not Clark. Superman looks over at the messenger and says, that's right. See that they get turned over to the authorities. And he just leaves. He leaves these two gangsters with a messenger. The messenger was armed. He was packing. But um, he's not a cop. Like, he's got to go get the cops. And then in the next panel, we see later as Clark Kent writes his story. So Ultra escaped me. But at least I succeeded in breaking up his terrorist gang and recovering that protection money. Next time, Ultra may not be so fortunate. The end. What the hell was that? Um, so Clark goes, I mean, I'm sorry, not Clark. Superman goes, follows the messenger with the $5 million, okay? So let's look at it the ultra-humanite's um, perspective. He says, oh, yes, Superman showed up just as I expected he would. So? So the ultra-humanite's not even there. He has two goons there that he he's going to get the $5 million from them. Okay, they're going to kill the messenger. That's the plan. They're going to kill the messenger, uh, even though, you know, it, everyone says, don't kill the messenger. Boom, nailed it. They're going to kill the messenger and take the money back to the ultra-humanite because, remember, he's not there. Superman shows up, and the ultra-humanite's like, yes, great, exactly what I expected would happen. Here's my acid gun, except he's not even there. And, you know, what's his big plan that um, Superman's going to run into this transparent metal, which he breaks? Like, if I was the ultra-humanite, I'd be like, oh, my God, all the money and all the research and all the, all the planning that I put into that transparent metal and Superman broke it. I have to go back to the drawing board. Like, what is going on there? There was no... the. For the Yes, for the money, it makes sense, I guess, to set up this giant projection. Why not just have the two goons there, then take the money, kill the guy, bring the money back to the ultra-humanite? Why set up this projector? Why pretend to have an acid gun? Why have the transparent metal so that Superman would show up and smash it? Like, they couldn't hurt Superman. There was no booby traps. There was nothing. He says, I was expecting you, but you didn't do anything about it. There was no reason for you to even be there. Like, there was no reason for the transparency. And Clark Superman's like, I let him get away. Like, he, didn't, he wasn't there. You didn't let him get away. You didn't. He didn't, you know, come through, get through your grasp. The guy basically says, like, he wants to take over the world, but he does these weird things where he just starts blowing up local ships to get little bits of money so that he can do his bigger things. I, 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 I kind of want, like, Lex Luthor to show up and just you know, push the ultra-humanite um, out a window. And we never see him again. Now, I know he's the character we, is, is like, stays in DC Comics for years and years and years, and he's in, he pops up here and there. I just don't think of him... I didn't know him before this. And so that's why I wouldn't think of him as part of Superman's rogues gallery. So hopefully, um, at one point, he's out of the picture. Maybe just gets put in prison or something. And then another bald billionaire comes in and saves the day. So this issue, you know, we get to see the villain again, but the villain once again has, I don't know, it's just a weird kind of, the plan, okay, I get it. 
you know, you want to get money, but the execution of how to get that money and setting up this projector, like you think one guy would be, and boss, why are we doing the projector? Why can't we just take the money back to you? It's like, no, you don't understand. You have to set up the projector. I want Superman to know I have an acid gun that I'm going to shoot him with. But you can't shoot him because you're, you're projected. Yes, I understand. But um, And also, this is 1939, so how was he projected? Is this another one of his amazing inventions? Was it live? I mean, 2021 and, and live video conferencing is still isn't perfect. But in 1939, the Ultra Humanite was able to project his body there live, having conversations with Superman. That is that is pretty amazing, actually. That's much more amazing than transparent metal, which doesn't make any sense. Um, so he's obviously very smart. He's just, he's just a real idiot about how smart he is, I think. That's what I'm trying to say here. And again, don't forget, I mean, Clark Kent stood there while 12 good men 12 members of the Coast Guard on their Viking ship, rowing and rowing to their death. And then Clark's like, I should probably be Superman now. Let me go save the day. And then he swims out there and he's like, oh, yuck. And he's swimming through seaweed and dead bodies. Like, get away from me, boy. Now, there is a chance that one of those guys was still alive while Superman swam by. And it was like, please. And Superman's like, I got to get to that ship. Not now, Coast Guard. <laughs> All right, that's. I think I'm done. Uh, this issue was, you know, wasn't wasn't great. There was, you know, again, some some silliness that I like to find. Uh, Superman, you know, screaming at the passengers, picking up this guy uh, as Clark Kent and throwing him through an office door or breaking into an office door with him, and of course letting all these men die, and then just the convoluted plan of the ultra humanite at the end there with the projector that made no sense. Um, but it seems like Clark is just waiting for that day that the ultra humanite slips up and he can show up and, uh, finally apprehend him. But it wasn't today, my friends today, uh, evil lives to see another day. And that's it, my friends. That's it. I want to tell you a reason why the episode was a day late. Um, I have another project I'm working on this month. It is Fans Not Experts Movie Month where every June I watch a movie every day that I've never seen. I do a podcast on it uh, every day. And so that's 30 podcasts coming out in June. Plus, I want to make sure that these episodes get out to you every week. Uh, plus, I have other podcasts I do. I am a crazy, crazy boy. Um, and, uh, you know, but that's why we're a day late. So I hope that you can forgive me. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll be late again next week. Probably not, because Monday and Tuesday I'm not going to be around. So I'm definitely going to get this episode out to you guys uh, beforehand. And with that, my friends, I say adieu. I say uh, thank you so much for listening. That was French, right? I think. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. Um, on Twitter, it's Geek Mentality. On Instagram, it's Geek Mentality too. But... For us, we all know my Instagram is at Reaction Comics. It's been a little little uh, quiet lately just because of movie month going on, but don't worry, it will be back in full force soon. And of course, the website is fansnotexperts.com. I'm on Facebook too, Fans Not Experts, but we don't do, I don't do much there. There's a lot of movie month stuff, not much else. So with that, I say thank you so much again for listening and subscribing. And remember... For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. 
Stay super, my friends. Fabs not experts.